You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome. And welcome again to Atlanta, Georgia for the SEC Media Days live from the College Football Hall of Fame. It is a special edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What's up, Matt Miguez here? I know you missed me. It's been a, it's been a few days since I've been coming on your airwaves, but we're back better than ever and in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, again, live at the College Football Hall of Fame. This place is absolutely incredible. We have a stacked show today, day one of SEC Media Days. You heard from Commissioner Greg Sankey, as well as LSU head coach Brian Kelly and student-athletes Ole Miss Lane Kiffin and his student-athletes, as well as Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri and his student-athletes as well. We'll talk about all of that and much more. As always, just because I'm in Atlanta, James is back in the studio, which means phone calls. Bring them on, 337-706-0111 if you want to chime in on the hotline. Speaking of James Mesh, let's bring him in now, the producer extraordinaire and the co-host with the most. James, what's going on, bud? What's up, Matt? It's been a couple days. it's It's been a minute, man. I was uh, I was out enjoying my last couple days of uh, of freedom of 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 bachelor life. Yeah, you're damn right about that. So, uh, but no, man, back in the saddle, ready to get to work. I mean, I don't I don't know how much work this is. I mean, college football Hall of Fame, listening to SEC coaches talk about football all day. I mean, this is this is pretty damn cool. One thing I do want to know. How red was Lane Kiffin? <laughs> yeah, he, he he got pretty fiery at points, man. He, he got, um, and it also, well, not just like just him getting hot and passionate about it, but just like overall, it seemed like he got a lot of a tan over the summer. Yeah, he, he he's been to the beach one more, more than once this summer. I can guarantee you. Um, and, and you know, one thing I loved is you know they always come dressed in a suit, right? And then here here's Lane Kiffin. Rocking some red, white, and blue Jordans with his suit. Like how Lane Kiffin is that? Oh, I absolutely love that. I love. I when, mean, love when you. I love when you wear like a dressy suit, but you don't wear the dress shoes. You go with something like some sneakers, like some Jordans, or going with something else. So exactly what I'm doing today. Exactly. So like your fit's perfect in my eyes. Yeah, I'm, rock, I'm rocking the suit with my purple and gold Adidas Ultra Boost. Um, I, I felt like that was appropriate for LSU Day. No, that, that definitely makes sense in my eyes. Um, so, again, big show today. Got a lot of big guests coming for you. Wilson Alexander is going to come in and do Tiger Talk at 4.30. Normal time, 5.30 here, 4.30 for you. He will join us live here on Radio Row at 5.15. You will hear from Jonathan Mingo, a wide receiver for Lane Kiffin of the Ole Miss Rebels. And then at 5.30, how about Saints legend Roman Harper? He's here with the SEC Network. He's going to join us. We got him to talk about LSU, the SEC as a whole, 
and we even touched on his, his Saints career a little bit. He's still in contact with the New Orleans Saints. He said that he still has a big part in the organization. So we'll bring you that and so much more again. Game hotline, 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So, James, I, I got to ask you, you know, from, from your perspective, being back in Lafayette and watching day one of SEC Media Days unfold through the eyes of social media, let, let's start with LSU. You know, what did you make of what Brian Kelly had to say, and does it change your opinion about the Tigers at all? It might have slightly changed it in my eyes because I'm not going to say they're going to – I'm not going to go as far as to say they're going to win 10 games or win the – SEC championship or win the national title. I don't, I'm not going to go that far, especially in the first season. But the way he answered the questions and the way he approached the different questions, especially the ones that felt a little disrespectful because it seemed like they were, some of the media was mocking Brian Kelly based on his his accent, his his take on a Southern accent and and whatnot. It, it felt like he took it very professionally, and the way he answered it was clear cut on what he wanted to do it wasn't I'm not trying to win just Super Bowl that's cool and all but what I really want to do is win national champions for the LSU Tigers that that sold it for me I was like okay now 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 I can feel a little more on board with Brian Kelly because did I have a little bit of doubts yes because of course it it felt like uh he underperformed I guess you could say at some points it felt like he didn't do enough at Notre Dame but being in LSU and the way he answered Still got to prove it on the field, but I like the way he answered it for sure. Yeah, and you know, you, people talk about Brian Kelly's tenure at Notre Dame, and don't get me wrong, Brian Kelly had plenty of success while at Notre Dame, but from my, my thing about Brian Kelly and, and where I had concerns about him coming in to LSU is, you know, look at his career at Notre Dame. He only won one major bowl game. He won the Citrus Bowl in 2017. But if you look at it, 2012, he's at Notre Dame. They get to the national championship game. They lose. 2015, he brings it to the Fiesta Bowl. They lose. 2018, he brings it to the Cotton Bowl with a 12-1 record. They lose. And then most recently in 2020, he brings them to the Rose Bowl. They lose. So, yes, Brian Kelly was winning 8, 9, 10 games every year that he was at Notre Dame. But when it came time to win the games that are going to cement your legacy, he couldn't get it done. And so that was a big concern that I had when LSU announced the hire of Brian Kelly. But ever since he's come in, he's built major recruiting classes. He said the right things. He has shown that he's going to do the work that it takes. And James, here's the biggest thing. Think about the success that he had at Notre Dame with the recruiting restrictions that they have, the academic requirements that it takes to even step foot in South Bend, Indiana. And this isn't a knock on LSU, what I'm about to say, but all that's out the window now. He can get anybody and everybody from around the country to come to Baton Rouge with very little restriction. So, you know, you, you got to think 
that Brian Kelly is going to put a championship caliber team together in Baton Rouge, right? Yeah, I got to believe it. I mean, it so far, it sounds good. You've seen good production in the trail of getting players from either the transfer portal or getting commitments. Now, they're only verbal commitments, but seeing such a rapid success of, what was it, either 12 or 14 within the 12, last 12 or 14 days, a lot of success. you got to feel good about this LSU team, even with the past of Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Yeah, no, absolutely. Poll question of the day is up on Facebook and Twitter. We talk about the SEC West a lot, being that LSU is in the SEC West. Today's poll question is going to focus on the SEC East. Who's the best team in the East? Is it Georgia? And I know that seems like an obvious answer, right? The defending national champion. They've been in the national championship game two of the last three years. But Tennessee's on the up, on the up and up. You know, they're impressing a lot of people this offseason. Hendon Hooker's a great quarterback. You know, what is Josh Heupel going to be able to do at Tennessee? Florida, you know, they've what, – what are they going to do with Billy Napier and Anthony Richardson under center? You know, do they kind of come back into the conversation this year or do you think that there's a sleeper in the SEC East? Facebook and Twitter, go vote on the poll question and we will update it and talk about it throughout the show. But, James, I, I, I got to point out something – on the poll question on Twitter, uh, if if you look at the likes so far, there is uh, there's two of them, and one of them is from myself, and the other is from the College Football Hall of Fame. Hey, <laughs> hey, we like that. Hey, we right. like that. Right, like the the social media team that runs the Twitter account for the College Football Hall of Fame not only liked our poll question. But, James, they follow me. Ooh, look at you. Right. Look right. at you. I'm, I'm flexing over here, man. I, I really am. You're, uh, ma- you're making me feel envious over here in Karen Crow. Uh, in, in beautiful Karen Crow. Oh, man. So, we again, big show. Going to be a great week here in Atlanta. Tomorrow, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about SEC Media Days is there are 37 radio and TV stations set up here on the second floor of the College Football Hall of Fame. And and it's literally one of those things where people walk around like, hey, are you available at this time on this day? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's tape an interview or or let's, you know, come on my show, blah, blah, blah. And then you return the favor. And next thing you know, you got 20 guests for four days. And so... um, we got a lot of big guests coming up over the next couple of days. And uh, just stick around with us. We'll bring it all to you here on the game. We'll touch on a couple of headlines quickly before we end the first segment. And this relates to the SEC. Texas and Oklahoma have announced that there is currently no change in their exit date to leave the Big 12. Which I kind of find interesting because you you would think with the news of USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten that you would want to get to the SEC as quickly as possible. Or, or at least that's the way I see it. Um, and, and a program like Texas or Oklahoma, yeah, big payouts hurt, but 
it's not like you don't have the money, you know? Uh, so that's interesting to, to see. Talking about Brian Kelly here at LSU, one question that he was asked today was about his, or LSU's, NIL collective not having the funds of other SEC programs, which I, I thought was an interesting question to ask. And, you know, Brian Kelly right off the bat said he doesn't think that that's quite the case. Um, and, and he said that he feels very comfortable with where LSU stands in, in terms of the NIL. And, you know, the other big thing that, that Brian Kelly touched on, and we'll bring you the audio clips here in the next segment, but one, one question that he was asked was, you know, so much of, of coaching is teaching and earning trust and earning respect. And, you know, big-name guys like Miles Brennan, Kayshawn Butte, John Emery, Jack Besh, Malik Neighbors, those kinds of guys, he, he was asked, you know, how has it been building trust and building a relationship with those guys since he's come in? And right off the bat, I love what Brian, he said, well, I think trust is a two-way street. They're earning my trust too. Which that's huge, right? Because that shows that, hey, as a head coach, as a coaching staff, we respect these young men and these players just as much as they should and do respect me. Which, you know, James, that's a recipe for major success in today's college football. If you can earn the trust, and it goes both ways, it's not like the players are just trying to earn the trust of coach. Coach is trying to earn the trust of the players. It's not just that. I love how it's a two-way street. You can show the love and commitment to one another, and it feels like the sky's the limit almost. You don't want to go too far too early in it and expect limitless possibilities, but you got to feel really good about it. You can expect... I would say nine wins, including a nice bowl win. They could even exceed my expectations and get to 10 and exceed, I feel like, a lot of people's expectations because if you've seen some of the betting polls and, like, the, the win total, it could the, it could be either nine and a half, but you could all, you also have seen some where it's five and a half. So if you can go over on both of those, I think you're going to surprise a lot of people and propel yourselves for a lot of success in the near future, not just in the later future. Absolutely. want to take this opportunity real quick to thank our title sponsor for this week, Bordelon Furniture. We really appreciate them supporting our radio station and supporting our trip here to Atlanta for SEC Media Days. But one thing I want to talk about before we head to break is the game text club. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Here at the game, we want to help hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. And all you have to do is text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's G-A-M-E to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win that Apple Watch, plus tons of other prizes like Astros tickets and much more. The Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a timeout right here. When we return, we'll hear from LSU head coach Brian Kelly here in Atlanta. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. 
Our guy Miguez is lonely in Atlanta. So why don't you drop him a line on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Bordelon Furniture. I am a little lonely. Uh, I mean, I, I guess. There's a lot of people here. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming to you live from the College Football Hall of Fame here in Atlanta. James Mesh, the producer extraordinaire, back in the master control suite. James, we, we, we made the joke that I'm lonely, but you're the real lonely one. I'm so lonely. I li- I literally I literally turned off the studio lights to just save power. So so you and Hannah did the same thing because Hannah. Well, no, Hannah actually the lights were, the lights were on whenever whenever oh. I came in. So she must have turned them on within that time. So I I gotta tell you something. You know we we talked about how fun this SEC Media Day experience has been so far. Um, the 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 time change has really messed me up. I, I won't even lie because. So we, we, we got in last night, and Ray and I, who, who were sharing a hotel room, I think we stayed up till 1 a.m., so midnight in, in Lafayette, and then... So you almost stayed up as long as me. We, we both woke up at 5 a.m. Lafayette time to come set up the remote kit for his show. Oh. So uh, running on very little sleep. But hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? How much coffee have you drank? None, actually. None. You're just running on sure willpower. But uh, I, I will tell you this: God's gift to Earth in Atlanta, Georgia, is <laughs> okay. is, is Chick Fil A. <laughs> okay. So Chick Fil A, Dr Pepper, get getting me getting me through the week. I see. It's getting me through the week. Uh, that's that's not an advertisement for Chick Fil A, although I do endorse Chick Fil A. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, um, earlier, so again, to continue the conversation about how crazy this has all been, you know, Wilson Alexander's here, Tim Buckley's here, even, even a good friend of, uh, of the game, Dave Schultz, is here. But there's so many big wigs, so many high-profile SEC analysts are here, like Paul Feinbaum. Is doing his show live from the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, the monster. The, S- the SEC morning crew with Laura Lutridge, Roman Harper. You know those guys are, are are here live doing their shows. Right now is the afternoon crew with Benjamin Watson, Tim Tebow. Like you name it. If they're a big media member in the in the world of the SEC, they're here. And uh, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's a. Uh, it's a little overwhelming for for a guy who's never experienced it before. Oh, I bet. I bet. Now, one question I do have. Shoot me. How big is that room that you are in right now? Oh God. Because um, I I hear echoes from 500 yeah. yards away. Yeah. So we're on the second floor of the College Football Hall of Fame, and the way the College Football Hall of Fame is designed, at, at the bottom you have. That's where the main. So like the 
coaches podium and all that is on the first floor. Mm-hmm. And then the second floor makes a square around so it's it's open all the way to the roof, but then the second floor is glassed off from like the main area, so it just goes around. And when I tell you there is a media table set up in every foot of this entire round area on the second floor, dude, it's there. People are everywhere. <laughs> I bet it, it sounds busy. Uh, I see people constantly walking in and out of Charlotte. Yeah. It, if you want, if you do want to see that, we are on Stadium Thirty Two Point Three and One Thirty Three on LUS Fiber. If you do want to see how dapper Matt Miguez looks right now. Hey man, I appreciate that. You're welcome. First first day at SEC Media Days, I, I felt like I needed to dress to impress, so I broke out the the gray <laughs> Ralph Lauren suit with the with the purple and gold fleur de lis tie. Of course, you even got the tie bar with my initials on it. <laughs> Ooh, like like full full details, bro. Oh my goodness! Look at the details. Oh lord. <laughs> So, again, coming to you live from the College Football Hall of Fame here in Atlanta, Brian Kelly spoke with the media earlier today, and he spent a lot of time talking about, like we said, building trust with his players, NIL, and he answered a lot of questions about his time at Notre Dame. Here's his opening remarks to the SEC media. For me, all of my attention is focused on our LSU football team. It's been quite an interesting six, seven months as I uh, embarked on this journey, which has been exciting for me. It started with, you know, the right time at the right place. The timing was right for me. place was perfect. It had an incredible president, President Tate, an athletic director that I had history with, with uh, Scott Woodward, a rich history and tradition with LSU football. And so for me, it was then taking on that great opportunity in front of me to be part of restoring championship quality football to LSU. Also, the chance to be part of this incredible conference, the SEC. Also, Brian Kelly spent some time talking about, again, the NIL collective. And he said it doesn't really matter the funding that they have, that he's going to be able to get it done. First of all, I don't know that we don't have as many funds. Nobody has given me you know, any kind of documentation that we're behind. I feel very comfortable quite honestly, as I stand here, you know, talking to you that, you know, what we're doing relative to NIL is as competitive uh, as anybody else. I don't feel like we're being outbid uh, by anybody. I don't think that's the place of NIL anyway. So if we were being outbid, then we're going to be outbid if we have $50 million in our collective. I don't feel hamstrung by that. I want to continue to educate uh, with NIL. I want to be able to use the resources wisely to help promote name, image, and likeness and, and, and have that available um, for our student-athletes when, when, when the time comes. And lastly, you know, this is his first SEC Media Days going into year number one at LSU. Very similar situation to 2010 when he first walked in to Notre Dame from Cincinnati. Where is he now in terms of the quarterback and offensive line positions compared to when he first arrived in South Bend? Well, now that you put it that way, I hope not. You know, certainly we have four quarterbacks, um, and 
the spring really was for us to lay down our offense. We weren't really going to gear it towards any particular skill set. So I, I think I feel much better about the depth in the quarterback situation. Dane was really the only quarterback that had any experience. We, we were young and inexperienced at that position. I think the depth at the quarterback position is much depth much different. Jaden and, and uh, certainly Miles bring us obviously starting experience. Uh, Garrett obviously for me is, a, is an exciting quarterback. Walker's a, a true freshman but there's there's great depth there. The offensive line is, is clearly an area that, that we need to um, keep our eye on but I think we've we've added you know some some really good transfers uh, and we think we've we've got some young men that have developed I would say that right now I stand in front of you that there are similar situations. Uh, I like the depth and the opportunity to uh, be much better than, than 2010. We'll take a time out right here. And when we return, Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joins us live here on Radio Row. We'll talk about Brian Kelly's comments today and what's next for the rest of SEC Media Days. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The circus that is SEC Media Days is in Atlanta, and Miguez and Mesh have you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Portalon Furniture on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, live from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Matt Miguez here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, 35 minutes after 4 o'clock. Joined by Wilson Alexander of The Advocate live here on Radio Row. Wilson, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing all right, Matt. How are you today? Doing well. Man, the the craziness that is SEC Media Days, we, we made a rejoin and, and we, we, called it a, we called it a circus. And uh, that, that's pretty fitting. It absolutely is. I mean, it's the longest uh, media days in the country at four days. I mean, most other leagues don't take that long. It's this whole television event. Uh, they're filling up like an entire hotel with, uh, you know, ballrooms and stuff for different uh, media outlets that, you know, for television and print and everything. And it's quite the production. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Commissioner Sankey opened media days this morning by saying he feels that the SEC is in the strongest position that it's ever been. You know, with the talks of Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference in a couple of years, he also touched on the fact that, they don't plan as, as a conference. There's no plan to expand further than that right now. That was probably the most interesting thing uh, th to come from today, really, especially from his remarks. Is you know he hasn't spoken publicly, as far as I know, since Oklahoma. Excuse me, since USC and UCLA joined the Big Ten, and there's been all this uh, sort of speculation about college football con basically consolidating into these two super leagues. And, and he said that right now, at least you know they're going to stand pat. That they feel like he said good at 16. Um, use the word nimble, that they'll still have to be kind of nimble and thoughtful about what they do, but they can kind of sit back and look at, watch as things unfold instead of maybe needing to be proactive about becoming a Super League, which, as he said, the SEC is already a Super League. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talked about Super Leagues, the SEC and the Big Ten being, you know, the, the two major ones right now, especially in terms of realignment. 
if this continues and these leagues just continue to grow, how, how do you see that affecting college football? It seems like a negative thing to me because you, when you just continue to consolidate, you don't have maybe that same level of competition. Um, the SEC and the Big Ten just continue to be able to dictate what happens to everybody else, and the haves and the have-nots just continue to go further and further apart, which they are going to anyway because of the revenue. Um, but also just geographically what it does. I mean, college football, you know, it's not going to have that sort of regional like feel to it if USC is going to cross the country to play Rutgers because they're in the same conference. Um, that's a little bit strange. It's kind of weird to get used to uh, as a college football um, observer and somebody who you know enjoys the sport. It's a lot different, um, but uh, you know they all have to kind of adapt to something that's very uh, different than what we came up with. And then you know Brian Kelly took the podium, and this is his first SEC media days, and you know some of the questions. That, that were asked towards Brian Kelly, I found to be a little, maybe maybe unnecessary isn't the right word, but you know the, the, the question about the NIL Collective not having quite the funds of, of other SEC programs, I don't know, I, just, I didn't feel like that was maybe an appropriate question for, for the time, but I thought Brian Kelly answered all the questions that, that were thrown his way today pretty respectfully. Yeah, he certainly did. And he, he, he's he's always he's done that certainly ever since he got to LSU. I mean, uh, you know, all my experience with him, uh, he's he's asked everything that's or answered everything that's been asked of him. Um, usually, uh, pretty thoughtfully and, and with some depth um, and, and nuance and context. On the NIL front, maybe maybe it could have been phrased different or something. But you know, it was a question certainly worth asking because there's been a lot of. Uh, curiosity around where, where LSU stands on the NIL front because you know now that the law has changed there's a lot more ability to facilitate deals um, within the state we've seen what Texas A&M has done and there's a lot of discussion whether or not Jimbo Fisher agrees with it or not about how much NIL has influenced their recruiting and so you know it was certainly I think a curious and, and question worth asking about sort of what LSU is going to be able to do on NIL. Do you think that LSU is behind in the NIL front? Say that again? Do you think LSU is behind in the NIL front? They've been handcuffed for a while. I mean, because there was no national guidance and very little direction from the NCAA, um, every state had you know all these different state laws for the last year, and, and Louisiana's was somewhat restrictive on what LSU and other schools could do. Um, there was no ability to facilitate uh, deals, and and it sort of spooked. Um, you know, some some business owners. You know, I, I talked to some who they just weren't quite sure what they could do. Right. They didn't want to get in trouble. You know, and it's a state law. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. more than just NCAA jurisdiction. Um, whereas, you know, over in Texas and some other states, there was just no law at all, and so there there were very few parameters. And so, in that way, they were, I guess, behind because they couldn't do as much. And so now, they because that law has been changed, they certainly have the ability to play on a much more even playing field with the rest of their rivals in the SEC. Chadwell Wilson-Alexander of The Advocate here on Radio Row at the College Football Hall of Fame. So again, Brian Kelly, one thing that I really found intriguing about his remarks was when he was asked about building trust with, with his key players, you know, Kayshawn Butte, John Emery, a couple other guys, and, and immediately he said, you know, trust is a two-way street. They've earned my trust, and now, you know, I'm earning their trust. And, and, and that's huge in a coach-player relationship because that makes the player feel like, you know, they matter and that, that they 
came to the right place and that they fit in. So, so to that, my question is, you know, it, it's very rare that, that a coach will directly come out and say, you know, these guys are earning my trust. I respect these guys. So how big is that right off the bat for Brian Kelly to come out and make those remarks? It was big. It was particularly important when talking about Kayshawn, um, because you know Brian Kelly was direct right before spring practice about Kayshawn needing to do some things a little bit differently. You know, meet the standards that Brian Kelly was setting. As great of a player as Kayshawn is, um, as electric and dynamic as a wide receiver, he had to do some things within Brian Kelly's program, just like being more attentive, even though he was injured and, and that kind of thing. Um, some academic stuff as well. Um, to, to kind of meet what Brian Kelly ha- had set for him. And we've seen now, especially with earning number seven, that jersey, uh, and then what Brian Kelly said today, you know, he said that part of earning number seven was, was sort of a, sh- a sign of, you know, earned trust. Uh, and so that was, that was big to just sort of further affirm, you know, that someone like Kayshawn has done the things that Brian Kelly wants to see, that they're building that relationship um, and that, that that's forming between Kelly and his players and the rest of the staff. And then, you know, the last topic that, that really struck a nerve with a lot of people was when he was asked about fit and, you know, him not necessarily fitting into the South, or at least that's the belief, right, coming from Notre Dame, be, growing up in Boston. And then, you know, his line of Baton Rouge is all about food, football, and family, and all three fit with me pretty well. I mean, that was that, that was a good line to come out of Brian Kelly's mouth as kind of a, you know, to deflect off of the the fit comment. How do you think Brian Kelly has fit in to Baton Rouge so far? So far, I'd say just fine. I mean, we got to see him win some football games because that's the thing. I mean, fit is sort of overrated. I thought he, that was probably his best answer in terms of addressing the whole fit question because it's something that a lot of fans and some media members and just people who enjoy college football have wondered about like everything that for all the reasons that you said and this was probably the best answer that he's given in response to it um because and one of the things that he said at the beginning was it it doesn't really matter in a geographical sense it's like are your principles aligned are your in this case you know those principles being you know football and and family and he, he mentioned food too and that kind of thing um Nick Saban was not a Louisiana guy. It was not a Southern guy before he came to LSU and he went and he won a national championship. And he probably would have continued to build a very strong and competitive program had he stayed at LSU. You know, just because maybe Ed Orgeron fit culturally in at LSU, we saw how the last two years went. (laughs) So um, Brian Kelly, as long as he wins football games, it's not going to matter exactly where he was from uh, in the end of the day. And then looking at the the players, B.J. Ojolari, Jack Besh, and Mike Jones Jr. Let's start with B.J. You know, what did he have to say to to the media? And you know, what are you expecting out of B.J. at the linebacker position this season? Yeah, he, it's, it's we should probably call him just an edge rusher well, <laughs> this yeah. year um, because you know he's playing out of like a two point stance. He's not gonna really have his hand in the dirt as much, so he's kind of that outside linebacker. But Matt House has said, and BJ said this today as well, like he's still gonna be rushing the passer quite a bit. He might occasionally drop into coverage, but it's just sort of like his stance is gonna be different. So not probably not a defensive end or a linebacker, you right, know, right. maybe like an edge kind rusher. Kind of a hybrid. Yeah, and he but he he had a lot to answer about with his brother, um, especially being in Atlanta here. He you know he's. Uh, 
about 25, 30 minutes from home up in Marietta, just north of Atlanta is where, you know, he grew up playing on parks around there and then playing at Marietta High. And his older brother, of course, Aziz Ojolari, uh, was at Georgia, now with the New York Giants. Um, and so there's a lot of local Georgia media who was asking him about his relationship with his brother. And they're, they're still close and lean on each other for football and other things as well. Um, but th- he sort of saw this as an opportunity to show, like, okay, you know, I love my brother, th- but, like, I'm also my own person. For sure. And, and that he wants to have – he really wants to have a big year and kind of cement his own name um, in the college football space. And then Jack Besh, you know, great freshman year, looking to build on that. Talked about how he's going to play solely – wide receiver this year for the Tigers the veteran role that he is he has kind of already taken on as a young guy being a leader in that locker room you know just kind of talk about that and and what kind of role Jack Besh could have in this offense it's going to be interesting to see exactly what he ends up doing because like you said he had an incredibly productive freshman year I mean he was one of LSU's best receivers um and, and i think ended up leading the team in terms of receptions um and just a reliable target but because he is moving outside all the way to receiver not really playing that hybrid tight end anymore it'll just be interesting to see how he fits into the rotation because they've got such a strong group of receivers i'm sure he'll get his i mean he is pr- productive and especially like underneath and over the middle he, he's great in those instances and he's got speed too um it, but it's going to be uh you know he's just going to kind of have to find exactly where he fits into that and, and I mean they're probably going to rotate wide receivers throughout the year anyway so it, it shouldn't be a problem. Chad with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate two more for you talking about Mike Jones Jr. started his career at Clemson was on that Clemson squad when LSU won their national championship in 2019 now he's with the Tigers was spent last year with the Tigers and looking to build off of last year into this year what did he have to say and, and what are you expecting out of him? Well, Mike was his usual, um, his usual self in that, you know, he, he gives insightful answers. He's seen so much of college football, having gone to a few different programs and now gone through a coaching change, um, that he was insightful, um, kind of funny. Uh, Mike has a very unique personality and, and is just sort of easily gets along with people in these kinds of settings. Um, he had a lot to say about a whole, you know, wide range of topics from NIL, the conference realignment to, uh, coach Kelly himself, you know, I think, and, but, in terms of how he fits into the defense, I mean, you know, he's going to be one of their primary inside linebackers. Um, it's not quite clear who's going to end up starting at this point, um, but he was him and Greg Penn the third were the two first team linebackers throughout the spring. Um, he's been the most vocal guy, and, and a sign. And, you know, it's a sign. I mean, bringing all these guys means LSU's going to, you know, trust them this year and, and re- going to rely on them. Um, they don't, you know, they're not going to bring them otherwise. And, and so he's going to be a, an integral part and a, an important part of this defense. And then lastly, you know. SEC media days we're here till Thursday you know who are you looking forward to hearing from uh, throughout the next couple of days here in Atlanta I'm interested to hear about uh, from Billy Napier uh, Florida I mean I haven't you know talked to him since he, he uh, left uh, I think everybody in Louisiana will be kind of interested to hear what he has to say um, in his first media days after after leaving the area um, and then uh, outside of that, I mean, you know, Nick Saban day tomorrow right. will be interesting. And um, then also just <laughs> sit back and listen to whatever Jimbo Fisher <laughs> has to say on, on Thursday. Thursday. Um, you know, maybe he won't be as um, animated in his comments um, after everything that happened in the spring. Right. Um, but it's still Jimbo. <laughs> you, you, you bring up the, the stuff that happened in the spring. Do, do you see any of that getting maybe relit this week? No, I'd be surprised because, I mean, they, you know, 
SEC meetings in Destin was right. it was after that, and, and Greg Sankey was, um, you know, sort of alluded to that whole in, uh, incident in his remarks today about how, you know, in, in Sankey's terms, which are a little usually not heavy-handed uh, right. when he's speaking publicly, was that, but he's still by his standards that they, we don't need to be <laughs> bickering with each other. Right. It was something kind of along the lines of what he said, and so I'd be surprised if that got reignited, uh, especially in this setting. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us here live from Radio Row at the College Football Hall of Fame. Wilson, appreciate you taking on the time, as always. Six weeks away from college football, man. I'm excited. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. It's like, the, it's like the start. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want to help you see them live in person. The game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Just register in the game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take our final time out of hour number one, wrap it up on the other side. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh live from Atlanta on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the show that just means more. Eh, what more is, we're not quite sure yet. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Bordelon Furniture on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. That's right. We just mean more. But what more is, we don't know. That's that's well done. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt, Miguez, James Mesh back in the master control suite. James, you hanging in there? You feeling all right, bud? Yeah, I'm currently chilling. Currently chilling. All right. Well, you know, we got another hour to go. Yes, we do. So... So, going to need you to hang in. Let's update the poll question. Who's the best team in the SEC East? I'll start with Facebook and, of course, Martin. Martin has to join in the show each and every day. He says, of course it's going to be Georgia, but do not sleep on Billy Napier and the Gators. Tennessee will be Tennessee. All talk, no bite. Roll damn tide. And then he you didn't have goes, to read you didn't have to read the last part of that. And then he goes on to say, "Hypel is not the answer. Tennessee is where careers go to die." All right. So Martin, being the Alabama fan that he is, uh, does not respect Tennessee very well. I, I get it, but I I think some people are going to be awfully surprised by the Volunteers this year. I I, I just I do. Hendon Hooker is an elite-level quarterback. They've got good receivers. They're much improved on defense. Tennessee's going to be a team to look out for. And you know who's going to be a team to look out for in the West? People want to say Brian Harson's on the hot seat. Auburn's got some talent. And Brian Harson's a good coach. The SEC West is dominated by Bama and A&M right now. But Auburn could make a run at things. And then 
you know, this might sound a little homerish of us in, in Lafayette. LSU could be special this year. I'm not saying the national championship, but I could see the Tigers going nine and three. Maybe making a New Year's Six bowl game. They're gonna they're gonna give Alabama and A and M a, a run for the for their money in the division, and then next year, when Walker Howard's under center, oh, look out for the Fighting Tigers of LSU. We'll update the poll question on Twitter as well. Who's the best team in the SEC East? Is it Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, or other? Billy is going to turn that program around quickly. George will finally have someone that will challenge them. Georgia will finally have someone that will challenge them each year. Tennessee is a yo-yo program. Every few years, they give their fans hope and then crash and burn two years later. We'll continue to update the poll question throughout the second hour of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We'll take a timeout, and when we return after this top of the hour sports update, more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, including an interview with Saints legend Roman Harper. Here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. SEC, SEC, SEC. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, live from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Here is your special SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, presented by Bordelon Furniture. Our number two on a Monday, baby. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, live from SEC Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, 6.02 Eastern Time, 5.02 back in Lafayette, Louisiana. Producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most, James Mesh, in the master control suite, pushing all the buttons, making sure I look good. Although today, James, you didn't have to do much work, bud. No, you, you did it all yourself. I'm so glad you clothed yourself. Well, I mean, I was always going to come clothed. That wasn't a that wasn't an issue. Well, your choice of clothing was spot on. Correct. And and I'll have you know, if you look inside the closet of the Omni Hotel where Raymond Parsh III and myself are staying, uh, the the wardrobe is going to be on point for the next ninety six hours. So. All good on that front. We got a long opening segment right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We're going to talk about, again, we're going to recap Ole Miss and Missouri. We're going to look at some top stories in the world of sports, including the Mariners going on a 14-game win streak. Five names, can her ego even fit through the door? I mean, fucking. As soon as as soon as I got in to the studio today, she said, "What's up, bud?" Fourteen. <laughs> Get over yourself. See, I, I sat here, I sat here with Ray for the majority of RP3 and company this morning, and it it was the same thing. You know, she was talking fourteen, fourteen. Did you know that we're at fourteen? Like, yes, Hannah, we get it. And when when they lose on Thursday. You know, it'll it'll all be for nothing. But anyways, 
uh, since it's a long segment, we're going to open the, the hotline. 706-0111. Just because we're in Atlanta, we still want to hear from you. If you have questions about the SEC, if you have questions about the Astros, you want to talk about the New York Yankees, Martin. 706-0111. Get in on the game hotline, and we will gladly take your calls. Also, want to take the time to thank our title sponsor for SEC Media Days, Bordelon Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. And guys, this month only, for the month of July, they have a power recliner on sale for $6.99. Perfect addition to the living room, to the man cave. Man, if, if you got a little bit of room in your office, perfect addition there. Could, could you imagine, you know, typing up, doing some work in a, in a power recliner? A power recliner sounds pretty nice right now. And, and for the low price of $6.99, I mean, God, you can't, you can't beat it. So once again, this month only, $6.99 for that power recliner at Borderline Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. All right, James. Home run derby tomorrow night. Home run derby tonight. Pete Alonzo looking to make it three in a row. Juan Soto's in. Albert Pujols is in. Couple others. You know, who are you looking forward to? What's your prediction? Who wins it tonight? I don't want to. I don't want to bail out and just pick Pete. I'm kind. I'm, but I'm. I'm kind of. I kind of want to pick for uh, Juan Soto. Yeah. I want. I want and, as much as I'd love to see a three peat. I want to see I want to see Juan Soto do it. Can we talk about Juan Soto for a second? The 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 the, the man's not smart. I mean, I, I understand that the Nationals have struggled since they won their World Series, but if a team offers you four hundred and forty-five million dollars, and you just sit there and say, "No, nah, I'm good," what? You're crazy. <laughs> You're out of your mind. <laughs> You're crazy. You're out of your mind. I could never win another baseball game in my life, but if I'm making $445 million, I wouldn't care. Like, I, I could buy a baseball team with that amount of money or, or at least enough to secure the loan. Come on. And I, I'm not sure that he's going to get that kind of deal elsewhere. So, I, I don't know. I don't know that that was the smart move long-term for Juan Soto. Let's go to the game hotline. I've awoken the beast. What's up, Martin? Martin, you there? Hello? Yes, sir. No, we lost him? I guess we lost him. Yeah, we lost him. All right, so back to the home run derby. You know, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Pujols. You know, I, I think it's a travesty that Albert Pujols is even in it. Uh, as much as I love Pujols, dude's a, a legend in, in the game of baseball, and he's going to go down as an instant Hall of Famer. But the guy's got six home runs on the year. How is that home run derby material? I mean, I understand it's a you know a legacy thing, and, and you know one last time, let's put him in the home run derby. But everybody knows that he's going to go out in the first round. 
So I, I don't know that that's a great move. Juan Soto, Jose Ramirez, that'll be a good battle. J-Rod, Corey Seager, watch out for Ronald Acuna Jr. He might surprise some people in that seven seed. Home run derby tonight is going to be fun. Let's go back to the hotline. Let's try again with Martin. What's up, Martin? You have to open Pandora's box, didn't you? I, I love opening Pandora's box. What you got? So my question is, I mean, you got your, your look, you know, on tack and everything. You're looking dapper like Jordy Hubbard would think. My question to you is, did you bring uh, James Metz's orange shoes? That's what I want to Are you wearing his orange shoes with your nice suit? I, I tried to get him to give me the orange shoes, Martin, and he wouldn't give them to me. Yeah, because you said you didn't like them. You said they were, they were ugly at the birthday party that we had. Well, well, because it's it's because they are ugly. But anyways, but, but uh, maybe somebody would have mistaken you for a Tennessee Volunteer fan, because uh, Lord knows they can use all the help they can get. Because, uh, like I said on the poll question, there, that's where careers go to die. But anyway, uh, I, yeah, it was a it was a rough weekend for my Red Sox. Uh, I had to hear it from Paul this morning, and uh, I'm sure he's tuning in this afternoon, laughing. Ha ha ha. Jokes on him, but uh, we got a lot of uh, pitchers hurt on our pitching rotation right now. But we need to let Chris Sale go. That ship's gone and sailed a long time ago. No fun intended. Uh, but uh, I think uh, tonight for the home run derby, I'm gonna go out on an M. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go ahead like I told Hannah Five. Now I'm gonna go with uh, Julio Rodriguez to win it all. He's maybe the dark horse. Uh, and I seen something over the weekend. Um, I saw I saw that the Nationals were listening to offers for Juan Soto. Where do you, if he gets traded, where do you think he ends up? Please don't tell me the Yankees. Well, it's it's gonna be a team with a lot of assets, right? You know, if, if okay. they if they need to move on from Juan Soto, they're they're gonna want a package for him. So right. the, the Dodgers would be a team I'd look at. The, I, I mean, I know you don't want to hear it. The Yankees are going to be a team that I'm going to look at. And a lot of people aren't talking about this, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Astros tried to put an offer together for them. Right. Then he plays center field? Or he plays the outfield, I know that. Right field, yeah. Right field, but I mean, he can probably make the transition, you know, yeah. Man, could you imagine if the Astros would land them then? Then definitely, Paul's Yankees ain't definitely beat the Astros <laughs> if, if they get if they land him. But right. uh, my, and I have another question: Did you see anybody uh, at SEC Media Days from the Four Letter Network yet? Oh, Over there's there, like anybody famous or uh, the the whole SEC Network crew is here. Paul Feinbaum, Tim Tebow, Roman Harper, they're all here. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, tell him you got an Alabama fan. Uh, in uh, Louisiana, that's uh, that's listening on the show and everything. But uh, thanks for taking my call, buddy. And uh, hopefully, after the All Star break, my my Red Sox can bounce back. But I doubt that happens. <laughs> Absolutely, appreciate you, Martin. Have a safe trip back, buddy. Appreciate you. Always love hearing from Martin. So, he, here's something that that I find interesting when looking at the home run derby, James. It, and it's the matchup between 
Corey Seager and, and Julio Rodriguez. J-Rod is a rookie sensation that, that's making a lot of noise in Seattle. Corey Seager, the seasoned vet that, that's still you know getting the job done. Would you consider Julio Rodriguez to be a dark horse in this home run derby? I mean, I would definitely say so. I don't. He's not within the top three or four of the betting odds of who's going to win it. So I think at that point, I don't recall offhand who all is in it. But if if he's not at the top of the list, I would consider anybody other than other than the top three or four to be a dark horse. So J Rod would be one of them in my eyes. The Houston Astros will return from the All Star break on Thursday in Houston as they play a doubleheader with the New York Yankees. First game at 12-10, and you can hear it on the game. The second matchup will be played on our sister station, News Talk 98.5. The Astros head into the All-Star break 59-32. Third best record in baseball. The only two teams with a better record are the New York Yankees at 64-28, and and the Los Angeles Dodgers at 60 and 30. The Astros have a couple of question marks, the health of Jordan Alvarez being one of them, Yuli Gurriel's career low numbers being another. James, could you see the Astros moving on from Yuli Gurriel with the trade deadline approaching in the next couple weeks? I could certainly consider it. Uh, I had talked about it last week. I think with Yuli at 38 years old, I know he has he's only been in the league since 2016, but the fact that he's still 38, he's not getting any younger. The fact that he started this late in his life, I got to believe if, if he doesn't step up or if an opportunity for somebody younger that's just as good, if not better, pops up or with a lot more potential, you got to go for it. Yep. You, you have to, in my eyes. No, absolutely. You know, mo- moving back to the SEC, you know, we talked about Lane Kiffin earlier, and we, we made the joke about how red he was from, from spending so much time at the beach this summer. They brought up the NIL conversation and the transfer portal conversation with Lane, and he got pretty heated in, in, in that moment, and he, he led off his answer with a question, and he said, what should the coach's role be in that discussion? He said, if we're going to be in an NIL world, somehow you're going to do it right. It's going to get capped so that there's some way of controlling it and keeping the playing fields close to the same. Otherwise, you're just going to have these glaring differences within Division One football based on what I've said before. It's not... He, he called it a salary cap, but then he goes on to say that that's not really the word that he was looking for. We've talked about this on this show. The NCAA is going to have to put a cap on NIL because if they don't, and it becomes, it, it continues to be the rich get richer. I mean, college football as we know it will not survive. It feels like they've only exploited the fact that there's so little rules since the beginning. They're, Absolutely. They're, I mean, you got to at least have some control over what's going on, but you just letting everybody do completely have 
full free range and there's no laws or anything to abide by, I mean, it's just going to become chaotic. And you got to, in my eyes, you got to do something soon. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, the 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 NCAA is looking at enforcing the the guidance that they released on NIL. I can almost guarantee that they're in conversations about placing a cap because again, you're going to have your Arch Mannings of the world going to big money programs like Texas and getting millions and millions of dollars. And next thing you know, another high profile kid goes to Texas because he sees what the money that Arch was getting and it just continues to be a vicious cycle until you know your lower P5 upper G5 programs are are, are dead you know you're going to have the Big 10 you're going to have the SEC and then everybody else is kind of going to be on an island of irrelevancy on their own and you know Wilson and I talked about it a little bit I don't think that's good for college football. And I and I'd hate to cap people on how much they can make. But I mean, it's not like you're a 27-year-old in a law firm, law firm. You're playing football and somebody else from like the law firm is giving you this much money. Correct. To to influence you to go to this college. It the money shouldn't be it feels like we shouldn't have we shouldn't get to that point. You're just now starting college. You should be able to make money, no doubt. But for you to make X amount, I don't know. Just it throws me off. Yep. I don't know what it's like to be somebody that works day in and day out in a college and a high school for a football team or any other ath- athlete with any other sport. But it just it you you got to cap it at some point because if. If one guy's getting a million dollars just just to go to this college, like he didn't he didn't want anything to do with that college, but you're offering him a million, how could he turn it down? It, I mean, you're just gonna throw off the experience and potentially they're gonna be like, wow, I kind of wish I went to this school because I liked it more, but I went to this because they were able to offer more money. Yep, absolutely. The money shouldn't dictate everything. Agreed, one hundred percent. Game hotline seven zero six zero one one one. If you want to get in on the show here on this Monday afternoon, Greg Sankey, we, we talked about it a little bit, gave a 30-minute speech on the state of the SEC, and there's four main points that came out of Sankey's speech that I want to get into. And the first one is that the SEC isn't interested in expanding beyond Texas and Oklahoma, which I found intriguing. It, because, again, we're talking about college football heading in the direction of super conferences and the SEC and the Big Ten being the two most talked about. You would think in that regard that the SEC would be constantly looking to add more programs. Because I've seen people talk about Clemson and maybe Florida State joining the SEC, but there's no way they're going to be able to do that. With the lucrative... TV contract that the ACC has I I just can't see Clemson and Florida State being able to fork up the money to get out of that anytime soon so as of now the SEC is looking to stay at 16 and again Texas and Oklahoma will not join the conference until the 2025-2026 academic year again 
another point that Sankey made, an eight-team playoff with five or six auto bids will not fly in his mind. And you see, I think that that's crazy. I mean, maybe lower the number of auto bids for conference champions, but how are you not a fan of a bigger playoff? Like, I, I just I don't understand how the ever since the college football playoff came in in 2014, those have been the best college football games of the year in most cases. Like, how are you not a fan of more high-profile competition? I mean, James, you're you're a fan of playoff expansion, aren't you? Yeah, I'd prefer it. I'd rather not just have four teams. I'd like it to see it get to to six, eight. Ten if we could, more. Yep. I, I'd like to see more of it. Will you see blowouts? Obviously, but you already see it in the four in the in the three games that we already played. Right. So I, I don't understand that argument. Just you get more profile games, you get more games in general, you get more TV money, you get more money in general, sell more tickets because there's more games. Right. I mean, and, and, is is that not what you want? If if uh, you're the NCAA or anybody, you expand your seasons because you want more games so you can get more tickets and you make more money. So why yeah. have, why have you not expanded it after eight seasons? Yeah. I mean, you, you hear the phrase money talks and you would, you would think that more playoff games would bring in more money yet. The, the major conferences don't seem interested to, to do that. And then the other thing that I found intriguing is Sankey said that when Texas and Oklahoma join in a couple of years, the SEC is going to transition into a divisionless format where you're going to have a 16-team league and the top two teams get into the conference championship game. And But the problem that they're reaching is that the committee can't, the SEC committee can't agree on tiebreaker scenarios. That's that's going to be the tricky thing with getting away from divisions. You know, how do you how do you break the tie? Is it strength of schedule? Is it points scored? You know, the the SEC is going to have to sit there and figure that kind of stuff out if they want to go to a 16 team league rather than two 18 divisions. Uh, so that's interesting. And then lastly, you know, we talked about NIL at nauseum today. Here in Atlanta, the Greg Sankey wants the United States Congress to work on developing federal legislation on NIL rules across the board. Which, again, kind of goes into what we were just talking about. They need to put a cap. They need to regulate it a little bit better because otherwise you're, you're going to have the rich getting richer and everybody else is going to get hung out to dry. And that's not healthy for the game of college football couple more minutes here in this opening segment before we move on to our stacked back half we're going to be joined by Jonathan Mingo wide receiver from Ole Miss he's going to join me to talk about his career under Lane Kiffin and what we can expect out of them in 2022 at 530 Saints legend Roman Harper is going to join us to talk about his Saints career and his time with the SEC Network. And then we'll come back and wrap up Monday's edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 
live from the College Football Hall of Fame here in Atlanta looking at the poll question of the day. Who's the best team in the SEC East? So far, 66% of you say Georgia, 27% say Florida. And I've got two comments on Twitter. Read one from at the Cajun Dad. Billy is going to turn that program around quickly, and Georgia will finally have someone that will challenge them each year. And Tennessee is a yo-yo program every few years. They give their fans hope and then crash and burn two years later. And Cajun Saint 88 says Vanderbilt. You've watched his TV specials. You've listened to his podcasts. Now we're going to help you see Burt Kreischer live in person at the Cajun Dome Thursday, September 16th. Friday, September 16th, actually. And you can do so with a simple text. It's the Games Text Club. Text BERT. B-E-R-T to 337-283-8100. That's BERT to 337-283-8100. Once you're a member, you'll be eligible to win tickets to see Burt Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome courtesy of the Games Text Club. We're going to take a timeout here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Like I said, when we return, Jonathan Mingo of the Ole Miss Rebels will join us for a conversation into his career under Lane Kiffin. Here live at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, you're listening to Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh, on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. Our guy, Miguez, is lonely in Atlanta. So why don't you drop him a line on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Bordelon Furniture. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, live from the College Football Hall of Fame. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez here, again, live in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame. I am joined by Jonathan Mingo, a wide receiver from the University of Ole Miss. Jonathan, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Doing well. So, coming up on your fourth year with, with the Ole Miss program, Lane Kiffin comes in partway through your tenure, you know, playing for you know such a polarizing figure as Lane Kiffin. You know, talk about that. How's that been like? Uh, you know, it's been a blessing having Coach Kiffin here. You know, uh, when I first, my freshman and sophomore year, we were four and eight. So a lot of games we were just like real close to winning, but we couldn't finish them off. So I think Coach Kiffin was the right guy to come in to help the program go up. So he put the standards winning. So it's just a blessing to have him here. You know, he's an offensive mastermind. He got a good understanding of the defense because, you know, both his pops and his brother and the, um, and the NFL defensive coordinator. So it's a blessing to have Coach Kiffin. I feel like he's the right guy for the job. Now, Matt Corral was was the quarterback last year, had a great year. He now moves on to the NFL, steps in Luke Altmaier. You know, talk about Luke, talk about how he is as a quarterback and how that really benefits your game personally. You know, I've been knowing Luke since high school. We played against each other a couple of times in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Luke's a, a good kid, kind of quiet, but he's uh, still stepping out of his shell. He's a good leader on and off the field. He didn't like sometimes he doesn't talk too much, but he leads by example, like by, the, by he works out and leads the morning runs. 
and he's got good accuracy, good pours for uh, defense, and know how to run offense. And I feel like it's going to be a fun battle watching him and Jackson during the, uh, during fall count. Chatting with Jonathan Mingo here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jonathan, really looking at you know some some highlights of your career. You spent a lot of time on the SEC honor roll, the athletic directors honor roll. What's it been like, you know, doing all the work that it requires on the field, and doing the work that's required in the classroom? You know, it's tough. Uh, going to practice early in the morning. Sometimes you tire, your body aching trying to get some treatment, but, you know, you got to get to class. You know, my parents always stress, uh, hey, your grade's not good, you're not going to play. So you always need a backup plan off the football field. So it's been it's been hard kind of balancing, but you get used to it over the years. So it's been pretty fun being a student athlete. All right, so going into your, going into your senior season with Ole Miss, last year you had a little over 300 yards, three touchdowns. How do you plan to take those numbers and, and you know, maybe what was the work like this offseason to push those numbers to the next level? You know, man, for me, the best thing for me is to stay healthy because I feel like I got out to a good start last year. Just staying healthy and being the best version of me. As long as I'm on the field staying healthy, I feel like I'll put up good numbers and help my team be in the best position to win. And, you know, you talked about being healthy. You, you've battled through some injuries throughout your career. What's it been like this offseason from, from a health perspective you know, making sure you're doing the things necessary from a training staff perspective and whatnot to be healthy for this season? You know, the training staff, I go, I see them twice a day, make sure my body is in the right position so I'll be ready when the season comes. Just little things, just make sure I'm stretching more, taking care of my body, make sure I'm eating right, just make sure I'm getting enough sleep because I feel like sleep is really important for an athlete. And I feel like these little things will help me be in the best position this season when it comes so I won't have nothing to throw me off my game. What can uh, what can fans expect out of this year's Ole Miss football team? A lot of explosion, <laughs> explosive offense, defense good too. O line, D line's better this year, so you know everything starts up front. So I feel like it's gonna be a lot of explosion going on. Last question I got for you: Talk about this experience. You know, being in Atlanta, being in the College Football Hall of Fame, getting interviewed constantly. I mean, what what's that been like? Uh, you know, this is my first time being here, so it's, I'm just. Thinking about interviews, then at the same time, like I'm on a tour guide, just trying to look at everything while I'm walking around. So this is a pretty neat scene, you know, and it's something I definitely cherish. Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver for the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss kicks off their season in September. Jonathan, really appreciate you taking the time. Good luck this season. And uh, once again, really appreciate you taking the time. Yes, I appreciate you. We'll take a time out right here, and we'll bring you more Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh live from Atlanta on the other side. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The circus that is SEC Media Days is in Atlanta, and Miguez and Mesh have you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Portalon Furniture on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez coming to you live from Atlanta in the College Football Hall of Fame for the 2022 SEC Media Days. I am joined by Saints legend and SEC Network co-host, Roman Harper, 
Roman, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Thanks for having me, man. Anytime I can get back and talk to anybody in Louisiana, I always have a good time with it. So, uh, so here I am. So I would be remiss if, if I didn't bring up, you know, your time with the Saints. You know, people would definitely say you didn't take advantage of this uh, opportunity. Right, right. <laughs> so, so walk me through, you know, your time in New Orleans, and you know, do you still keep up with the team today? Of course, of course. Um, yeah, I'm still very, very connected with the organization. Um, they have an open door policy for me and my family. And it's great. I mean, um, I still got a picture up in the uh, locker room, so it's really cool. Um, just getting there in 2006 to right there after Hurricane Katrina, where I got there and it looked like a bomb it went off and. You know, that whole first year, you know, seeing all the motions and all, a very, very good big memory of just like all the FEMA trailers there and everything that that, that whole state and community that went through to where we win a Super Bowl in 2009, to, you know, the, the jubilation, the joy and everything that happened afterwards. And we really kind of kicked it all off. The Before that, I remember when I got drafted to the Saints, my roommate, Charlie Pepra, called me and laughed at me well he congratulated me but then he laughed at me like dude you guys are gonna suck you guys are terrible the saints never win they're always terrible and now that's not the case they're they're looked at as one of the best organizations the best places to go to when it comes to free agency when it comes to visiting um home field advantage and all these other things and that's just really cool to say that i was actually there to kind of help change all of that the whole DNA of the New Orleans Saints organization is completely different, and I had a lot to do with that. And um, I'm thankful for the opportunity that they gave me. I love every single person in that building. And it's crazy because all those people in that building have been there for a long time. It's a very family organization, very family-knit type run uh, from the top down. Mrs. Benson does an amazing job. Um, if I'm ever in the newspaper, she still mails it to me in my home, and she signs it and sends me notes, and she loves my kids and all those things. So it's really, really cool. Um, last time I was there, she gave my baby boy a football right off the sideline. Like, he was crying for a ball. I'm like, dude, you got to give that back. He's two. She's like, what does he want? I'm like, he likes the football. She yelled at some trainer, hey, give him that football. Right, game ball, right off the sideline. So hey, there you go. <laughs> that's, there you go, right? Miss B calls it, you better do it. So right. it's just really cool. and That's a, just another unique experience. Now transitioning to the SEC, you know, the, the, the conference is at such a strong point right now with Alabama, Georgia, LSU on, on the way back up with a Brian Kelly hire. Then, in, you know, in a couple of years, you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma. You know, where, where do you see the conference at right now? Oh, it's high. I mean, it's the most competitive, but it's been there for years. Uh, the best athletes, and, and that is how they get them. You want to compete against the best? You want to get drafted the highest? Come to the SEC. The, 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 you're just the best of the best. It's the small minor league in, uh, NFL. And uh, more and more guys believe that. And you're right. It is on the up. You know, you got Alabama, Georgia year in and year out. LSU will be better. I don't know how great they'll be this year just because of, you know, I got to see Brian Kelly, you know, coach at LSU. Right. I, don't, I don't disbelieve in Brian Kelly. I love the hire. I think he's an amazing coach. He always gets results everywhere he's been, from Cincinnati to Notre Dame. All they do is win. Now he just has to have time to build it there, and especially with the transfer portal being so vital where – Guys aren't locked in. They're gone and in and out every year, so the door is a revolving door now of college football. But Kentucky's better. Um, Texas A&M is another team on the up. Tennessee is better. Florida is down, but they, ain't, they won't be down long because Billy Napier's a really good coach, and you know a lot about him being right there in Lafayette, what he did for that program. So all these coaches, you got the best coaches, you got the best athletes, all these things will continue to evolve. And we all know teams like Mississippi State, Sam Pittman at Arkansas, great coaches, and their programs are steadily 
continue to improve. And Mississippi State beats somebody they're not supposed to every year. And, yes, they got the hardest schedule. Auburn has the hardest schedule in this year's uh, – in the nation this year. But Mississippi State is second. And we also have four or five other teams in the top seven hardest schedules because of the talent uh, in the SEC. Chatting with Roman Harper here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Talking about college football realignment, in your opinion – is it good for college football? You know, where do you stand on the realignment? I don't know how good it is. I know it's not done. I know that part of it. it, it you know, when when triggers are being pulled, first of all, last year at the same time was when Texas and Oklahoma surprised everybody and said, you know what, they're coming to SEC. And when that happened, dominoes had to fall. Right. The, the Big 12 had to say, okay, we got to do something. The Big 10, you can't stay behind. That's why the Alliance kind of jumped out of nowhere. But you know what? The Alliance has all of a sudden fallen to, to crumbles as well because now the Big Ten has just stolen away USC and UCLA. So the whole Alliance thing means absolutely nothing. It's really everybody for themselves at this point. And if you're not on the ACC train right now who has a strong TV deal, that's the only thing keeping everybody locked in is a strong TV deal. Sure. How much money you have to pay to get out of it. Then you have the SEC, which the more teams and the best teams that they can get into this thing – their renegotiation with my company, ESPN, is going to be mega deal. Big Ten, that's why they bring in USC and UCLA, because we can only command more with the Big 12 network and also more money with all these other conferences, so uh, all the other TV uh, communication deals. So that's what it's about, and I know football's making majority of these decisions, but other sports will also impact them as well. Last question I have for you, Roman. Give me a sleeper team. In, in the SEC, you know, you have your Alabamas, your Georgias, your A&Ms. Who are you looking out for this year to really so make a run? last year it was Ole Miss. I said it. I called it early. I said Ole Miss is going to win 10 games. I'm calling it now, all right? I'm not calling it now. But this year, <laughs> I got Tennessee in the East. I think they'll be the second-best team, the third-best, possibly the third-best team in the, all of the conference. And on the West, Texas A&M is supposed to be that, that team, all right? But, I, you know, it's like a – it's like a junior high girlfriend. I'm, I'm tired of getting my heart broke, okay? <laughs> tired of it. I'm going on the West. I'm going with Arkansas. I think Arkansas is another team on the rise. And if they can continue to build upon what they do. I like K.J. Jefferson at the quarterback position. My favorite player to watch outside of Will Anderson Jr. is Jalen Catalan, the safety out of Arkansas. He's up. He reminds me so much of Earl Thomas. He's such a great player. Impacts the game in all levels. Um, so Arkansas on the West is a team I think is on the rise and also Tennessee on the east. Roman Harper, Saints legend and SEC Network host, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Roman, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy the rest of this pandemonium that is SEC Media Day. Thank you, man. And since I'm listening, I got so many Louisiana and LSU fans listening. I got to make sure I make sure I hit them home with the roll tie. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Roman Harper here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We'll take a timeout, and we will bring you more from SEC Media Days here in Atlanta on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the show that just means more. Eh, what more is, we're not quite sure yet. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of Crunch Time, presented by Bordelon Furniture on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, live from Atlanta, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Just a few more minutes before we wrap up day one here from the College Football Hall of Fame. You know, I'm going to say this. If you haven't taken the trip to Atlanta and come checked out the College Football Hall of Fame, it is a sight to see. I mean, they have a section dedicated to rivalries in college football, a section dedicated to the evolution of equipment, like from shoulder pads to jerseys, like the material the jerseys were made with from back in the day until now. It, it There's trophies galore. They have a whole helmet wall with all 130 Division I schools. Super impressive. Definitely a sight to see if you are in downtown Atlanta. Want to take the opportunity to thank Wilson Alexander from The Advocate for joining us live today for Tiger Talk here at the College Football Hall of Fame. Also, Saints legend Roman Harper for joining me. We talked about college football realignment. We talked about the strength of the SEC. And we even touched a little bit on his New Orleans Saints career. So really appreciate him taking the time for that as well. Tomorrow's show going to be just as stacked as today. Jake Crane from the Daily Wire's Crane and Company is going to join me again live from SEC Media Days. We'll talk about the SEC. We'll even talk a little bit about the NFL and how the SEC has kind of become a breeding ground of sorts for the NFL. I mean, if you think about it, I don't know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you got to imagine that a good third of players in the NFL come from an SEC program, or at least it feels that way. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And of course, as always, we'll take your calls on the hotline 337-706-0111. Before we go, though, I got to remind you, about the all-new Game Text Club. You want to win a brand-new Apple Watch? All you have to do is send a text message. Text GAME to 337-283-8100-GAME to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win that Apple Watch, plus a ton of chances to score other great prizes, like Astros tickets and more. Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball, right at 59 wins coming into the Midsummer Classic tomorrow night. Once again, the Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. For the producer extraordinaire and the co-host with the most, James Mesh, back in the Master Control Suite, I am Matt Miguez. I've got a party to get to, so I will talk to you tomorrow. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.